Hello and welcome to episode 197 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the twerific. This week we're going to be talking about Robin's Hood, The Prince of Thieves, and Men in Tights on your I'm Gonna Cut Your Heart Out With a Spoon podcast. Your facial expressions are priceless. <laughs> Your pronunciation is the same, so good. Good. <laughs> How would you have said that, Mr. Matthew? Yes. Robin's Hood, Robin's Hood, riding through the glen. It's not that Robin Hood, no. Um, episode 197, we are coming up on episode 200. We can't wait to talk about our retrospective of pop culture deprived uh, mm-hmm. just remind everyone if you haven't heard the announcements and go back some point in mid-jan i think we had an announcement out about what we're doing uh we are going to be finishing pop culture deprived with episode 200 but we are starting a new podcast which we are even more excited for um if you want to go and check out movie fight club you can hear our plans for our new show starting in the spring where mandy and i are going to discuss films but more than that we're going to argue over films we're going to Absolutely. debate and fight over them. And I'm going to win all of the fights, of course. Clearly. Clearly. 100%. Good. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm glad you're going in with such confidence. Absolutely. Robin's Hood. Robin's Hood. So, so this isn't the first time that we've done two films. Mm-hmm. We did Die Hard 4 and 5. Because mm-hmm. we just wanted to get them done. And we didn't want to talk about them for too long. And we did... You just wanted to get them done. Yeah. Yeah, because they were not good. Um, and we did Fright Night and from the Fright Night remake. We did. I forgot about that one. Which is which is a little bit more akin to this. So what we're doing is a a, a film. And a film mm-hmm. I think we should be talking about. And then we're doing the spoof of that film. Yes. Partially because people have been saying, oh, you should do Robin Hood. Oh, you should also do Men in Tights if you're going to do Robin Hood. Because blah, blah. we did. We- Two and a half years ago now, I think, we did Robin Hood, the Disney Fox version. Mm-hmm. And now Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. People have been asking us about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Men in Tights since the beginning of this podcast. Right. Okay. So I think it's fitting that we're kind of closing out PCD. Well, there's a reason this is basically 197. When, when we started deciding, right, we, we've only got a few episodes left, we need to start running down what are the films we want to pick out, and you got to pick a couple of films, I got to pick a couple of films, we were going through the list to make sure we weren't missing anything. There wasn't mm-hmm. anything in there that we go, okay, but we have to talk about that. Fargo, for me, was right. the, we're not going to finish PC without talking about Fargo. For someone of our generation, our age, Robin of Prince of Thieves is up there with Die Hard and Ghostbusters for... How has Mandy not seen that film? Seriously? Yeah. This might be, and we're going to get into the discussion of what this did in Britain, because this is a big film in Britain. Um, But I think this is pretty much the last on the list of the major films that were important moments for our generation. Okay. I missed it. Basically, yes. <laughs> Whether it's that they were significant because we saw them on TV, because they were big and repeats on TV all the time. But I, I would put this, if I was doing a list of seminal 90s films, 
that included Jurassic Park and ends with The Matrix and has The Mummy and a few other films in there, I would put Robin Hood Prince of Thieves on there. Interesting. Okay. Not just because it's an important film and everyone saw it and everyone talked about it. The Titanic is obviously on that list as well. Mm-hmm. It's a great film. It's a really good film. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Mm. It's very average in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. The storytelling, the plot, some of the character stuff, really average. But it's a romp. It's so enjoyable. Okay, I know I say this a lot about Tom Cruise, but I also don't think I've seen a Kevin Costner movie I didn't like. But I haven't seen all of them. I said that to my husband, and he goes, you liked Waterworld? And I said, <laughs> I haven't seen Waterworld. <laughs> and The Postman. I haven't seen The Postman. And Man of Steel. And... Oh, I forgot he was in that. Batman versus Superman. And probably Justice League, the Snyder Cut, when it comes out in a month or so. All right. Mm. I enjoy Kevin Gosnar as an actor. Okay. How about that? Okay. I can't think of much I have seen him in, to be honest. Because this is the film I know him from. See, and Dances with Wolves is the film that I know him from. That is a good film. That is very fair. And somehow, as a child in the 90s, I watched Dances with Wolves repeatedly and never watched The Prince of Thieves. That's crazy to me. That's so crazy. Don't ask me how, but that happens. Uh, part of it, so, let, you know, the Britishness of this. Robin Hood is a significant mythological figure over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have, over there, you have, I'm going to say Paul Revere. There's probably others. Why is that the first one coming to me? Don't ask me. I don't know, because he's not a mythical figure in that same way. Um, no. Maybe you don't have equivalents. I... All the names that are coming to me are real people. <laughs> That's such a poor fear, isn't it? Yes. Who was the guy with the axe in Fargo on the statue? Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan. Real person, but, you know, mythologized. Robin Hood is probably a real person based on various ideas. There are different mm-hmm. ideas around that. Um, in the same way, like, A Christmas Carol is done by every sitcom and TV show and movie that can do some sort of reference to it. Robin Hood has the same thing. Mm-hmm. To the extent they did a Star Trek episode about Robin Hood. Yes, they did. You know, everyone does Robin Hood references. And it's set in Britain of... It's got a you know fairly decent British cast and... Except for Kevin Costner. Except for Kevin Costner. The hilarity of him landing in Dover. And you see the White Cliffs. It's all along that part of the coast. And we sing songs, the White Cliffs of Dover. Um, and then you have a shot of him walking along a wall which is Hadrian's Wall, which is the border between England and Scotland. And Nottingham is directly in the middle of those two things. So he's gone way too far to get to that point. (laughs) Okay. He's gone so far, he's in another country. (laughs) (laughs) See, now that's the kind of thing I would never pick up on. And I think it's, it's one of those really, really famous moments in films. That everyone just makes the joke about, because we all know. Uh, The only thing I can think of as equivalent is... Aragorn kicks a helmet. Hey, did you know he broke his foot when he did that? (laughs) (laughs) Which is like the Lord of the Rings fact. (laughs) Right, right. Okay. All right. So it was big over here. Okay. Yeah. And we're talking the film. We'll talk other stuff later. Men in tights. Mel Brooks. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's safe to say I love Mel Brooks. I suspect you love Mel Brooks. I'm still pop culturally deprived when it comes to Mel Brooks. Okay. I've seen the producers. 
And I saw Spaceballs once a long, long time ago. And you've seen Blazing Saddles? Have seen Blazing Saddles now, yes. Um, and you know of Mel Brooks, presumably through pop culture osmosis? Yes. Yes. I forgot this was a Mel Brooks film until I was, like, reading things about it. Until he rocks up halfway through the film randomly. Well, I didn't even know that was him. Okay. Until, <laughs> I, I didn't remember what he looked like. And so right. then I kept, when I was reading about it, I was you know saw that this was the film that he actually did a cameo in. Mm. So... Then but I is it, is in all his films. Is he? Mm. Oh. See, I don't know anything. <laughs> and he's in all his films as, like, important characters. Um, you can probably hear from the tone of my voice I'm less enthused by this film, by Men in Tights. I was disappointed by Men in Tights. Okay. But I don't loathe it the way I loathed Monty Python. Okay. Although they're very similar in tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and I think we talked about this before. I think Mel Brooks parodies are very Monty Python esque. It's just the difference in the humor that they do. Like, Mel Brooks is very American, mm-hmm. and Monty Python obviously isn't. And I think that's where the disconnect is for me. Okay, but I didn't. I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um. I was disappointed in the treatment of the story of Robin Hood because in Men in Tights, they completely omitted the he robs the rich to give to the poor storyline. Yeah. Completely. All it, it was just about getting into Marion's chastity belt and mm-hmm. defeating Richard Lewis. That's it. Mm. Um, so that bummed me out a little bit. And then some of the humor just fell flat. But I maintain that it has one of the greatest jokes ever. Ever. Like I, I legitimately, like stopped and laughed so hard. Okay. And why should the people listen to you? Because, unlike some other Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent. Hands down, the funniest moment in Men in Tights. That's the funniest moment in Men in Tights. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> but that Might. doesn't mean all the other moments are bad might tell you everything about the film. It's just... Disappointed is a really good thing, because, you know, Mel Brooks... Mel Brooks has written some very clever, funny stuff in his time. Spaceballs is a great film unto itself, and then is a great science fiction spoof. Okay. You know, really good on that that side. Blazing Saddles does some really, really strong stuff as well. Young young Frankenstein. Um, Frankenstein, sorry exactly the same and then you get to this and it's just none of the jokes quite work they're all the most obvious jokes mm-hmm. so, some of them do i will give you that there are moments in here and i'm now not thinking of any but there are there are moments in here that are fairly funny but you've got carrie elvis who obviously we love the dread pirate roberts wesley mm-hmm. as robin hood Sounds like a dream, doesn't it? It sounds like just the greatest thing. Just turn up and do Wesley. That's all you need to do. And you have him mugging at the camera and trying to give comic turns. And it actually doesn't work because he very clearly knows he's in a spoof mm-hmm. and is playing it like it's an SNL skit. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. That's a and good analogy. It, it just, it, it robs it of any strength of actually being funny. Because it thinks it's really clever, and it's like, no, that that's not clever. You got Dave Chappelle, who at the time was 
very highly rated. I think he was an SNL person. Okay. He says, I'm not sure because, you know, we don't get SNL over here. But again, a, a good comedian who has no point to this film except to highlight what's funny. The Robin Hood fighting Little John on the bridge is a famous part of the story. You know, and, and we've all done the joke. Walking through a forest, you come to a trunk and you put your foot up and you're like, well, you want to pass here, Robin? Or We've all done that, Great. have we? We have all done that. Every every single person in the world all right. has done that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, and in, in Prince of Thieves, it's a good fight because it's a massive river and they come up with a good reason for it and so on. So they do the joke in Men in Tights that it's a tiny little stream and a tiny little bridge and he doesn't need to go over the bridge. He can just walk around it. But he falls in and can't swim. I mean, I mean, we've all got the joke. We yeah. can all see it's a little stream. And we all like, go, oh, okay, it's really funny because he doesn't need to be doing this. But they all take it seriously because they're doing the thing. And then Dave Chappelle walks into the scene and is like, but Robin, we don't need to do this. Look at this little stream. I can stand on either side. And they look at themselves like they're very pleased about the joke. And then they carry on with the joke. <laughs> yes, like, you can't do. keep doing the joke when you turn to the camera and like, hey, look at this funny joke we're doing. It doesn't work. The The opening is um, five black guys, I think, doing a rap about Robin mm-hmm. Hood. But then going, I say, hey, I say, hey, nonny, nonny. And they do a sort of folklorish, which I think is actually a much ado reference, a, a Shakespearean-esque thing in this rap. So it's the joke is the incongruity between classic styling and modern hip hop. Mm-hmm. And then they do it at the end of the next verse, and then they do it again, and then they do another chorus, and then they do it at the end of the next verse. And by that point, you're like, no, we got the joke. You can do another joke now. It's fine. <laughs> and that's the opening of the film. The same joke, like, five times over. Mm-hmm. The whole thing, it's really disappointing. I, I think that's exactly the right word. I always want to go to, like, I just don't like it. But actually, no, there's such potential here. I don't think any of it lands. Okay. I did like Richard Lewis. I loved, okay. and I don't even know why it was in the film, but the gag of his mole constantly moving. Yeah, you see, that It works. meant nothing. They didn't call attention to it except for, I think, one time somebody said something about it, and then yeah. it just kept happening. And, and again, you don't need to call attention to it. We've all noticed. Mm-hmm. It's fine. And if someone doesn't notice, they're not going to enjoy it when you point it out to them. Yeah. Tracy Allman. As Latrine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Tracy I don't particu- always good. Yeah, I don't particularly like the character of Latrine. I don't think she had a function, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed Tracy Allman. Yeah. Because why not? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think overall, the it was a Robin Hood spoof that didn't actually include the story of Robin Hood. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's why I was super disappointed in it. Especially coming right off the heels of Prince of Thieves, because... Prince of Thieves took the Robin Hood story that I am familiar with and mm-hmm. elevated it. Because yeah. my version of Robin Hood is essentially the Disney version. Okay. Like, that's what we get over here. Mm-hmm. And so this version with Kevin Costner turning it into like an actual story that's not a fairy tale. Because this was very much not a fairy tale. Mm. It, I I really enjoyed it. Yeah. it's it, it, They probably doubled down to the poverty of the time and the overtaxation and the the politics being played about the crown and the, mm-hmm. the the royal seat and him trying to fight back against what's happening and 
it being a bit of personal justice as well as social justice. Right. They don't include the... I don't... They don't include the competition, do they? Where he goes in disguise and wins the competition. No. No. Which is a funny moment in Robin Hood, but not necessary. You're absolutely right. That's the bit that takes it into a slightly sort of folklore fantasy Mm -hmm. element, um, which is not needed. It did have some kind of over-the-top campy moments, particularly Alan Rickman's portrayal of the sheriff. Well... Let's talk Even Alan though, Rickman then. <laughs> I mean, he's fantastic, and I ended yeah. like he won a BAFTA for this performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some moments, maybe in the script, that were a little over the top. But that's Alan Rickman. I didn't know who was in this movie other than Kevin Costner, and so okay. when the opening credits were rolling, I was like, "There's no way I'm not going to like this movie." Morgan Freeman, Alan Rickman, Christian Slater. What the heck? Had no idea these men were in this movie. Yeah. And uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantiano, Tonio, who I'm not sure you've seen and stuff, but was in, you know, the few things she's in were all very good films. So you would generally have a good opinion of her. Okay, yeah. Uh, Perfect Storm, Colour of Money, The Abyss. So you wanted to talk Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. I mean, there's a whole interesting thing that you can read about how he had a terrible script. He hated the script. He rewrote it with some of his friends, including British comedians like Ruby Wax. He Hmm. just went through and rewrote it, filmed different takes with the director so the director could edit in the more funny ones. I did not know any of this. Yeah. It's one of those things that I don't totally believe, or I think it's been hyped beyond what we're Mm -hmm. actually seeing. I think he rewrote stuff and probably got more agreement to do it because people went, oh, yeah, that is actually better. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, he is the character who is not necessarily in the, is it 1100s? 11th century? 12th century? Let's go 12th century. Um, He's he's got very modern references, quite a modern humour. Which some of the rest of the film does. There are moments of mm-hmm. modern sensibilities creeping in. But he's the one. And he gets away with it because he's the villain. Right. And he's doing something different to what he did only, what, a year or two before in Die Hard? Mm-hmm. This isn't Hans Gruber. No, not at all. No. And, and this is not Snape. He looks like Snape, but he's not Snape. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. They all kind of look alike, Mandy. <laughs> Oh, come on. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. But, you know, he's done very interesting things with the three different characters. Good on him. And, you know, you used this line about cut your heart out with a spoon. Mm-hmm. They they do then throw in a line of like, why a spoon, cousin? Because <laughs> it'll hurt more. Yeah, that I felt like that line was out of place in this movie. That line is you would expect to see in Men in Tights. Exactly. Not in Prince of Thieves. And Alan Rickman had several little moments like that. Mm -hmm. Even in the seriousness of the wedding slash rape scene, Mm -hmm. attempted rape scene, Mm -hmm. like his mannerisms and behavior, I think were there to kind of diffuse the tenseness and the severity of the situation. But he was still very comedic. Mm Mm-hmm. In those moments, and then he gets up and they fight, and the whole fight and the way it's choreographed around the room is still less life and death and more 
this is kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, it, it helps it stay more in the realms of PG than PG-13. I don't know what rating it had. Um, I believe I read that they had to cut 14 seconds out to be PG. Okay. And, so and, I think it was yeah. PG. Because, yeah, you you absolutely could do a version of this that is sort of 15, rated R, that's, you know, without too many changes. But the humor that he throws into some of the situations lessens the violence of them, lessens the impact yeah. of them, I think. Yeah. Mm. That fight. That fight at the end. See, that's mm-hmm. a great moment. And that's a moment that I think they don't get how good it is when you get to Men in Tights. Robin Hood, we've seen fighting. He's an amazing archer. Fires two arrows at once, takes out two guys, slow motion fire arrows. Awesome. Mm-hmm. He's the man. Sword fighting, when we see him when we see him take on the guards earlier, he's a brawler. Right. You know, he's throwing elbows, he's chopping at people, he's just the the quick solution to the fight. The sheriff is a sword fighter. And at no point in that fight is Robin in control. Generally. Like Robin is trying and Robin is hacking at him, but he is on the defensive almost the whole thing. And it's, yes. it's you know, it's not called attention to, so it's not a sort of obvious thing. Mm-hmm. But it is actually, yeah, Robin's outclassed here. And that's why the, the great moment in classic villainy things, if he hadn't had the moment of hubris to show off, he was about to kill Robin Hood, mm-hmm. he would have won. Right. <laughs> mm. And I dig it. Like, it's what, one of the reasons why Men in Tights doesn't work, because he is a super... Extremely good sword fighter. He's a great archer. He's great with the women. He's funny and he's snarky. He's, he's a Mary Sue. Yes. Kevin Costner, Robin Hood, doesn't always know the right way to go. Right. And that's why the inclusion of Morgan Freeman is a good character to include. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and even, I mean, Robin, in Prince of Thieves, Robin had a character development arc mm-hmm. from the beginning yep. to the end. And it wasn't just a personal development it was his care for other people Mm. and men in tights there was nothing like that it was just let's see how great robin hood is and he gets the girl and he shoots all the arrows and when he misses oh we're gonna go to the script and make sure that's not right yeah you know and just two very very different movies Mm. and you would expect them to be a little more similar yeah and, and you know, we could talk about Robin Hood, Men in Tights. I can go through and give you a list of things that were properly funny, things that were mm-hmm. probably good. They're a little bit few and far between. And I, I mean, think only a, the one matters. It's it Changing Friar Tuck to Rabbi Tuck and having it be Mel Brooks, I really like. <laughs> you know, one of the most famous Jewish men in the world. Mm-hmm. Certainly, in Hollywood, certainly. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I quite dig that. Um, and there's there's a few other things like that. But then he goes into the, oh, I do circumcisions, and this is how we do them. And Okay. You've overdone Leaned the on it now. a little too much. Yeah. But there are a number of moments in it that, that do raise a rice smile. But by and large, it's a film for 13-year-old boys. Oh, my God. That is the perfect way to describe it. Which is a shame that I was 13 when I saw this at the cinema with a group of my friends. <laughs> because I remember going, that was really funny. I really enjoyed that. Except I think I enjoyed the experience of watching it in the cinema with my friends. Right. And throwing popcorn everywhere and laughing and it just being silly and so on. And then going, actually, that's not a great film. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So the rest of the conversation, I think, is just going to be about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. 
Okay. That's that's my way of, of putting men in tights to bed and going, the, thank you for existing. Yeah, the only bad thing I have to say about Prince of Thieves, honestly, is the reason that joke is so funny to me in Men in Tights, and that is Kevin Costner cannot figure out how to talk. No. And he basically gives up halfway through. He does. He gives up halfway through, and, like, I I wish he just hadn't even tried. Mm-hmm. Because he cannot do a British accent. No. Or at least he couldn't at this point in time in his life. Um, that's it. That's the only really negative thing I have to say about it. It's it's not Keanu in Dracula. It's not that bad. Because that was bad. That was him trying to do a well-spoken British accent. And it just sounded like someone bad on the stage. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's kind of close to that. It's just oh. he gave up, and so it was palatable for the rest of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, everything you said about it sort of honouring the Robin Hood story and doing mm-hmm. it well, absolutely, mm-hmm. it does very well. The inclusion of Azim mm-hmm. as his Muslim sidekick. When we came to watch it, Catherine and I both went, this could be problematic. We could watch this now and be like, oh, my word. We would just stuff we did not notice. Yeah, I was concerned about that at first, but okay. as I watched it, all of those concerns kind of went away because Azim had full agency. Yeah. And did what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it, how he wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. He was not there to be a sidekick. He honored his family. He honored his God. He was a good person. The point of Azim, other than having a sidekick, is to point out the ridiculousness of the racism of the British people. <laughs> like, mm, yeah, it's, it's quite well used. I even read a thing that there is a, I can't even remember what it, what it was now, whether it was a blog or somebody who did writings about the portrayal of Muslims in Hollywood. Um, and, and they said, actually, this is a very good version of it because it does all the sort of right thing for someone who is um, honorable, but it's, it is a significant part of the story. Mm-hmm. Mm. I the scene that sticks out the most, I think, is the scene um, right after they've joined with the band of merry men in, in the mm-hmm. woods, and they're passing the whiskey or whatever yep. around, and they skip Azim and Robin's like, "Did you guys become like what happened to English hospitality while I was mm-hmm. gone?" And he's like, "But he's a barbarian," and they go through this whole back and forth, ending with him offering the alcohol to Azim, and Azim still says no. Mm. So I like the idea that he didn't give in just because all of a sudden they see him as a man instead of a barbarian. He's yep. still holding true to who he is. Absolutely. And yeah. I thought that was a great moment. Mm. And you have a, a very similar moment of reconciliation between him and Friar Tuck, who they do go, actually, we could have some conversations about our faith mm-hmm. and what we believe and how things work and... It's yeah. used as a joke about drinking, and that's the thing I would change. I would take out probably at least 50% of the Friar Tuck likes to drink jokes, <laughs> including the fact that this film ends on one of those jokes. <laughs> mm. Mm. All I remember about the ending is Patrick Stewart. Well, that's Men in Tights. Uh, you're right, it is. Sean Connery, where, then. Where they have Patrick Stewart, who at the time was a very famous actor. I mean, I know he's a famous actor now, but that's literally the last season of next generation so Mm -hmm. it's not like he's a nobody right he's from england he's english he speaks with an english accent he's famous for speaking with an english accent despite playing a frenchman 
in Star Trek. But he does the Scottish accent. And they get him to put on a Scottish accent. I mean, it's the joke, oh, look, it's Patrick Stewart being Sean Connery, because that's not yes. a joke. That's, that's not joke, funny. Though. Oh, I thought it was hilarious. What? I got it immediately. I was like, oh, my God, he's speaking Scottish because it was Sean Connery. Like, that's brilliant. That's fantastic. I loved it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Just have Patrick Stewart come and ham it up as Patrick Stewart. Nah. nah. I like Okay. It. But, yes, it's Sean Connery in playing an English king. It Good. is. <laughs> Richard the Lionheart, one of the kings of England. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so then all I really remember about the end of that is Sean Connery shows up and says, you can't get married until I give my blessing. Yes. And then kisses her and... Uh, g- gives away the bride, I think. Because mm. even, even that, it's not a, I approve this or something. Yeah. Um, it's funny, the only reason I remembered the Patrick Stewart thing is because recently... Um, you remember in Age of Ultron, there's the ridiculous Prima Nocta joke from mm-hmm. Tony Stark? And there was someone who wrote a thing about that, about why it's so horrendous and you shouldn't have that joke in there. And it's, mm-hmm. and they said, it's like the moment at the end of Men in Tights where he says, I have to marry, I have to kiss the bride first. And Mel Brooks mm-hmm. goes, it's good to be king. And that was the thing they were referencing, like, that's basically the Prima Nocta joke. Oh. But in this, it's a comedy. And you can you can get away with it more in a comedy, he says questioningly. Mm-hmm. Fine. Let's talk the songs. I only know the one song from this movie. <laughs> from Prince of Thieves? Yeah. Yes. I, I say songs. I say songs as though we're going to talk about the songs in Men in Tights. We're not going to talk about the songs. The songs are awful. <laughs> they promise. are awful. I was shocked. I was like, oh my God, is this a musical? But then it didn't end up being a musical, but it still had random songs in it. It's yeah. just all very weird. Men in men in tight tight tights is quite good and quite funny, and the singing choreographed dancing with the blind man not knowing what to do and where to go and so on is quite funny. Mm-hmm. Fine, not that memorable though. Other than those moments, um, there is a very famous song from Prince of Thieves. Yes. Did you know it already? I knew the song. Had no idea it was from Prince of Thieves. Okay, interesting. Because it's. I mean, it's like an easy listening, awesome love song from the 90s. Why would you ever think it's from this medieval story? <laughs> like, ever. But it won lots of awards. It is the the pinnacle. If I ever get to talk about, and hopefully we'll talk about songs from movies and how they work, it's the pinnacle of songs from movies. It was okay. written using some of the score, some of the orchestration, as its core melody. So mm-hmm. when you get to the love sequence in the middle of this thing, you're like, oh, that's like that Brian Adams song. Well, there's a reason. It mm-hmm. uses lines of dialogue from the film as part of its vocals. Does it? As part of its lyrics. Huh. And I now okay. can't remember what, but there are whole things about everything I do. Okay. Uh, what would you do for her? I'd, I'd die for her. Or I'd fight mm-hmm. for her. Things like that. You know, it's it's it incorporates the film into the song. And the it song does. is incorporated into the film by mm-hmm. virtue of using those things back and forth. And you're right, it is It is the, again, the pinnacle of wedding first dance songs, slow mm-hmm. dances at discos, get real yes. close, sway in a circle, spooch a bit on the dance floor, great, now let's all dance to Smabba. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. So when you hear a song like that, you don't think of Robin Hood. Yeah? Okay. But I guess, if, okay, I don't think of Robin Hood, but I guess if if you grew up watching movies the way you were supposed to in the 90s... That song and Robin Hood are probably inseparable. Yeah. I just didn't know. 
all of our listeners in Britain are either on the edge of their seat <laughs> or screaming at their speakers. Like, Matthew, say the thing. Say the thing about the, about the song. Okay, say the thing, Matthew. I have no idea what you're talking about. Say the thing. Do you remember we covered a film called Four Weddings and a Funeral? We did. And it had a very famous song associated with it. Where, 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 doing Love is All Around. I feel it in my fingers. That one. Okay. Yeah. And I said it had been number one for a ridiculously long amount of time. Mm-hmm. To the extent it was the second longest number one of all time in the UK. Oh, okay. Brian Adams, everything I do, I do it for you, is the longest running number one in the UK ever. Okay. 16 weeks. It wow. was number one. Okay. 16 weeks, people around the country. And this is obviously when it was on cassette, maybe CD, but cassette and radio play. Right. And people were just buying it and buying it and then buying it. And, you know, I've, I've had a look. I can't find a retrospective on why. I'm assuming there's also a thing of nothing else came out in that time. <laughs> but, but, like, because I think it was, in the end, it was U2 that knocked it off. Like, no, no other significant artist released something in that time. Okay. Is is what I would imagine it is. Or, or really something that would challenge for this is a song we have to play at discos and weddings and everything. So it was the right song at the right time. Absolutely. I, and it is a great song. Let's not take away. You're absolutely right. It's a perfect middle of the road, slightly rocky love song mm-hmm. that you can play in pretty much any situation. And it's associated with a film that did incredibly well. But for people in the UK, this film, this song has a very significant place in history and everyone's memory again particularly for people basically my age or maybe a bit younger than me and upwards mm-hmm. because it was everywhere and every week it became a thing tuning in to the number one to be like surely it can't be still <laughs> but it was and i think like drake or someone has had one that went for the same amount of time but didn't go past it mm. so it is still Wow. The, the longest, yeah, 16 consecutive weeks. Um, 30 years later. Yeah, longest uninterrupted run ever. Good on them. Mm. I hope everyone in Britain is now satisfied, like, oh, yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And if, like, you know, I was 10 when this came out, maybe. Um, if there's, there are people older than me that will be able to put a little bit more colour on that about why it stayed at number one for so long do let me know like i am i am interested in this and i'm surprised no one is still particularly this year because it's 30 years like there have been good opportunities to do retrospectives on mm-hmm. why this song was so popular it, it must be that nothing you know there was no prince album that year or mm-hmm. other soundtrack that was popular or something i couldn't even begin to speculate mm. i'm sure i feel like google might be able to tell me but Maybe not. I mean, I'm having a look at the other big films that year. The, this was the second highest grossing. The most uh, highest grossing was Terminator 2. And that mm-hmm. Guns N' Roses track is not that good. <laughs> Everything I do is better than whatever the thing Guns N' Roses did. Okay. Uh, he says, look it up to try and see what it was called. And padding for time. Whilst he scrolls down to the soundtrack section. To see if he can figure out, you could be mine. Because Guns N' Roses and Arnold Schwarzenegger are in the video. Hmm. But yeah, it's that unmemorable. Um, Beauty and the Beast is in there, but I'm not sure they even released that song as a single. Hook didn't have a song. Silence of the Lambs probably doesn't have a theme song. The Silence of the Lambs. No, I I wouldn't expect Uh, that to. JFK, The Addams Family, Cape Fear, Hot Shot, City Slickers, all films that didn't have significant 
songs or soundtracks associated to them. But I love it. I love that there is this song that is so important for the film. And, you know, because it the song itself was so popular, that's why it feels so important. But that uses the film score as mm-hmm. its melody, that uses lyrics. Great. That is That is what I want from a movie song. As of 2017, it was the 130th highest-selling digital single of all time by a Canadian artist in Canada. <laughs> That's such a okay. very specific <laughs> yeah, go metric. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. Uh, okay, it's a Canadian artist in Canada, and it's a major song from a major film, and it's only 130th. Celine Dion hasn't had that many songs above this, surely. It is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Does it does it have the rest of the list? Is Mm-mm. who else is Canadian? I want to say someone like Blink One Eighty Two is, or some some forty one. I think are so maybe they're above this. And I, I don't know. Brian Adams had three other songs ahead of it, but yeah. well done, Brian Adams. Neil Young is in there in a couple places. Mm-hmm. Still, it's such a specific yeah metric. Right. Yeah. Okay, Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Christian Slater. Mm. Oh really? I was a little disappointed in his character, and then the big reveal that he was his brother was yeah lackluster. Okay, to me, I, there is a vague sense of including someone like Christian Slater for the hunk factor. Get the teen girl magazines to watch this as well as mm-hmm. um, you know the boys who like action films because girls don't like that sort of thing. I can see that. He, he says sarcastically, in case that hasn't come across on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was kind of Christian Slater's heyday, like early nineties. Mm. So I, I can absolutely see that. I mean, it's it's definitely post Heather's, isn't it? Yes. Post Young Guns two, post Pump Up the Volume, and the other main film he had out this year that, that year was Star Trek Six. He wasn't a big part in that. <laughs> I mean, he had really nice hair in this. Mm. But other than that. Christian Slater is as good as Christian Slater always is. I, I don't think I've ever seen him in something and I've gone, oh, he's not great, or he's mm-hmm. phoning this in or something. But that's a story you could excise from this film. Yes. And it doesn't change. Not at all. Mm. Other than, would the rescue at the end still have been the same? Or would it actually have even been better because the kid wouldn't have seen him and then panicked, essentially? Oh, yeah, but there are other ways of getting that thing to happen, mm-hmm. getting the kid to be strung up alongside them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I do like that it's the kid who's in so much trouble at the end that they have to save. Because yeah. all the way through, it's been the kid that they sort of made us feel for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do like that it's him who, oh, my word, the kid's going to be hung as well. Mm-hmm. Hanged. Mm. And then And then you get that sequence where Robin has to fire the bow and cut the rope. And then gets to fire the fiery arrow. And I am disappointed that in my memory, the firing of the fiery arrow is so much shorter than it is in the actual thing. Because it's this wonderful 300 frames per second slow motion shot with a fiery arrow coming past the camera, basically. Mm -hmm. With him behind it, and you've got the fire behind him, and it's just, it's cool. It is proper good action moments. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know if we're going for 1991 films, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger driving a motorbike off a ramp into the LA sewer. <laughs> you know the great moments in action cinema. Okay. And it's a second, and I'm really disappointed because I remember it going on for so long and being so awesome. 
I was really excited when it was coming. Yeah, I wonder if it was like, if they did put it in slow-mo in some like trailer or music video or something. I mean, that's fair because I've probably seen the video for everything I do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. A lot more than I've seen in the film from an open to this. All right. I mean, because you're right. The Flaming Arrow is definitely iconic mm. um, as it relates to this movie. Because even I'm familiar with that. Right. Even though I'd never seen the movie. So. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Mm. And then, uh, as a film construction, there's so many great small things in it that are done so well. The, the inclusion of Little John's wife. Mm-hmm. whose name I can't remember. I want to say it was Fanny. I want to say Fanny too. Let's so. go with Fanny. Her coming to help as well and actually doing good stuff in there is a good inclusion. Mm-hmm. Stops me complaining. I like the, the scene of them having to rescue her whenever they've set everything on fire. Yep. Great scene. And, and yeah, there is a thing of if you've got people with a hideout in a forest, at some point there's going to be fire. That is... The sort of expected thing and it does it really well everything's burning around them mm-hmm. the rope he's trying to swing across is burning mm-hmm. that's good i like that i dig it yeah i like that they brought community into it mm. very much so yeah um the i'm not even sure it is a rule of three moment with the statue but the continual use of the statue as a prop First, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the delivery of the statue, and isn't it funny mm-hmm. he's got a statue of himself, the drawing of the scar on the statue, using the statue to try to knock down the door. Mm-hmm. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun. Like, what, uh, whoever thought of, hey, what if we had a statue, and then what if we use a statue of a joke about how people don't respect him, and then what if we used it as a thing about them trying to bash down a door with it at the end? Mm-hmm. I like it. The moment that... um Robin and Azim simultaneously realized that they could use the statue and yeah. they both went back to get it. I liked that because it was just a split moment. It was funny, mm. but it also showed that the two of them kind of are on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was nice. And the, um, the the bit where Robin runs past the statue and then takes a moment to look at it to see that there's a scar drawn on it. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's all good. Mm. Yeah, there's just so I, so many small things. We've not talked about the witch, whose name was Mortiana. Honestly, think that the story could have done without her as well. Mm. I think I agree. I'm not entirely sure what she's for. So she raised the sheriff, is my understanding. Okay. And she had some kind of visions, and she was using those visions or telling him about those visions to propel him into power. Okay. And for um, well, she's the one who told him that if he had a baby with Marion, his child would be royal, and that's what prompted the whole mm. attempted rape scene. But I think all of that could have been done without her. Yeah. Right, I, and then like I feel like she was there to give Azim a moment. Because he's the one who ends up killing her. I, I think that's the thing that really then puzzles me, is the story with Azim, that both she and Azim have foreseen that he would kill her. Mm-hmm. The, when they recognize each other, she goes, oh, the painted man. And he goes, oh, the witch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
that that CDE plot, whatever we're on to now, isn't needed in this film. It's just... No. It just needs to be another person who might be having them in danger. So even if you keep the witch, we didn't need that. But it is part of the reason the film is successful, because everyone has something going on. There are stories within stories within stories. So it doesn't feel... good observation. Mm. Yeah. But it was also long and it it could have been less long it could have been less long but i mean i i enjoy it as it is though so i i don't think this is a conversation where it's we could fix this movie if we did x y and z i think it's fine the way it is it's a Mm. good movie and there are things that we question or maybe think could have been done slightly differently or better Mm -hmm. but as a whole this is a good movie it's a great movie i really like this movie i mean it's I'll go back to what I said at the beginning. It is kind of simple. The story just goes step to step to step to step to then mm-hmm. they win. Like, there's no point where I feel the story does something I didn't expect it to. Although that might come with familiarity because this is such a major film that everyone of our generation has seen several times. Right. <laughs> um, well, it's also drawing from a very familiar story. Yeah. And so you know the end of the story. You know the outcome between... Robin and the sheriff, and there's mm. no way it was ever going to be anything different. No, but it's. I I don't think the story is clever at any point. It doesn't think. Oh, that's good. I like that moment. Oh, that's good. It's just. It's a really good, solid action film. Okay, a- action adventure. I think it's that sort of family. You know, mm-hmm. you can watch this with a group of ages. There's something for everyone, mm-hmm. and it's good and solid. That's fair. Mm. So I think the general consensus here is Prince of Thieves is a good movie worth watching and Men in Tights is not. not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is a real shame because Men in Tights has such a thing. It's got Roger Reese, who we liked in The West Wing as mm-hmm. Lord John mm-hmm. Marbury. But he's not very good. I mean, he's not Alan Rickman. No, but he's not. Anything. <laughs> there uh, are we have some listeners who are who are going to be very disappointed that we didn't enjoy Men in Tights. Hmm. And and to you, I apologize, but it is what it is. But it's not a good film, and I dare you to go back and watch it because you know you're going to find some stuff out. The blind man reading Playboy. So they're doing a spoof of Robin Hood, which has a blind man, and then he's reading Playboy. Which is then a spoof of sneakers. Oh. <laughs> and and that's exactly the thing. No one else has seen sneakers. Right. I've seen sneakers and remember it. You saw sneakers like, like two months ago or something, and you <laughs> couldn't remember it. Right. <laughs> they have absolutely packed it with jokes. Mm-hmm. Just none of them land. <laughs> or, or land as well as they should. There's a whole right. protracted Godfather spoof. Yeah, no, I like ju- that one. It doesn't work. It's in the wrong... F- Again, it's an SNL skit. Yeah, it is. But it it made me laugh when he like actually took the cotton balls out of yeah. his mouth. But then he was still talking like Marlon Brando. <laughs> so there were some one-off moments that I enjoyed. Mm. But overall, I don't want to watch it again. No. I mm. will laugh with... If, if there is someone who wants to laugh about the jokes and like retell me the jokes, I will laugh with you. But I mm. don't want to sit there and watch the movie again. I think that's where I land. Yes. But on the flip side... Prince of these, great film, good song, go watch it. Absolutely. I, I think it holds up. I think it's the deepest of films. It's not, you know, clever. It's a good two hours, though. Mm-hmm. I've seen worse. It came out this year. 
<laughs> All right. Mm. Okay, so what is next? We're going to talk Bill and Ted Face the Music. Yes. Which you have not seen. I have not seen it yet, but I'm really excited to see it. Okay. Good. Matthew is giving me a look. I cannot <laughs> interpret the look, look, but he is giving me a look. I'm waiting for any questions coming backwards. No. Okay. No. Nope. We're just going to do the thing. Nice. All right. What do we want to hear from people? Either something about Robin Hood. Why? Why? What am I missing about everything I do being number one for so long? What am I missing about Men in Tights being really funny? Are there any jokes we should have called out that were really good? And what are your thoughts on Movie Fight Club? What are the films you want us to do? Please tell us what films you want to go on the list for Movie Fight Club. Go and subscribe. Movie Fight Club on all good podcast catcher apps of choice. <laughs> you know, Matthew, you are allowed to breathe when you talk. <laughs> I promise. All right. So you heard Matthew's call to action. Please do one or all of those things. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can send us an email, podcast at eloquentgushing.com, or even better, you can record a voice message and email that to us so we can hear your voice. I am Mandy Kay, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay. I'm Matthew Vose. You can find me on Twitter at Matthew Vose. Pop Culture Deprived is completely funded on Patreon through our amazing listeners. Uh, anything you give, it helps to fund the shows, it helps to develop new shows, helps us to sound silky smooth amazing in your ears, and it means that you get access to exclusive content and merch and all sorts of great things. So do go and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And we will be back next week with another episode where we are going to talk about Bill and Ted Face the Music. Until then, I'm Mandy Kay. And is there no sun in this cursed country? Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, visit eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.